But, said his father, stopping in front of the drawing room window, it won't be fine. Had there been an axe handy, or a poker, any weapon that would have gashed a hole in his father's breast and killed him, there and then, James would have seized it. Such were the extremes of emotion that Mr. Ramsay excited in his children's breasts by his mere presence, standing, as now, lean as a knife, narrow as the blade of one, grinning sarcastically, not only with the pleasure of disillusioning his son and casting ridicule upon his wife, who was ten thousand times better in every way than he was, James thought, but also with some secret conceit at his own accuracy of judgment. What he said was true. It was always true. He was incapable of untruth, never tampered with a fact, never altered a disagreeable word to suit the pleasure or convenience of any mortal being, least of all his own children, who, sprung from his loins, should be aware from childhood that life is difficult, facts uncompromising, and the passage to that fabled land where our brightest hopes are extinguished, our frail barks founder in darkness, here Mr. Ramsay would straighten his back and narrow his little blue eyes upon the horizon, one that needs above all courage, truth, and the power to endure. But it may be fine. I expect it will be fine, said Mrs. Ramsay, making some little twist of the reddish-brown stocking she was knitting impatiently. If she finished it tonight, if they did go to the lighthouse after all, it was to be given to the lighthouse keeper for his little boy, who was threatened with a tuberculous hip, together with a pile of old magazines and some tobacco, indeed whatever she could find lying about, not really wanted but only littering the room, to give those poor fellows who must be bored to death sitting all day with nothing to do but polish the lamp and trim the wick and rake about on their scrap of garden, something to amuse them. For how would you like to be shut up for a whole month at a time and possibly more in stormy weather upon a rock the size of a tennis lawn? she would ask, and to have no letters or newspapers and to see nobody, if you were married, not to see your wife, not to know how your children were, if they were ill, if they had fallen down and broken their legs or arms, to see the same dreary waves breaking week after week, and then a dreadful storm coming, and the windows covered with spray, and the birds dashed against the lamp, and the whole place rocking, and not be able to put your nose out of doors for fear of being swept into the sea. How would you like that, she asked, addressing herself particularly to her daughters. So she added, rather differently, one must take them whatever comforts one can. It's due west, said the atheist Tansley, holding his bony fingers spread so that the wind blew through them, for he was sharing Mr. Ramsay's evening walk up and down, up and down the terrace. That is to say, the wind blew from the worst possible direction for landing at the lighthouse. Yes, he did say disagreeable things, Mrs. Ramsay admitted. It was odious of him to rub this in and make James still more disappointed. But at the same time, she would not let them laugh at him. The atheist, they called him, the little atheist. Rose mocked him, Prue mocked him, Andrew, Jasper, Roger mocked him. Even old Badger, without a tooth in his head, had bit him for being, as Nancy put it, the hundred and tenth young man to chase them all the way up to the Hebrides when it was ever so much nicer to be alone. Nonsense, said Mrs. Ramsay, with great severity. Apart from the habit of exaggeration which they had from her, and from the implication, which was true, that she had asked too many people to stay and had to lodge some in town, she could not bear incivility to her guests, to young men in particular, 
who were poor as church mice, exceptionally able, her husband said, his great admirers, and had come there for a holiday. Indeed, she had the whole of the other sex under her protection, for reasons she could not explain, for their chivalry and valour, for the fact that they negotiated treaties, ruled India, controlled finance. Finally, for an attitude towards herself which no woman could fail to feel or to find agreeable, something trustful, childlike, reverential, which an old woman could take from a young man without loss of dignity and woe betide the girl, pray heaven, it was none of her daughters, who did not feel the worth of it and all that it implied to the marrow of her bones.